0: God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series, featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. Praise the Lord. December 17th, 2023. A beautiful Vermont overcast day, a little breezy, very breezy coming across the road from, uh, across the bridge from Isle of Mont to Alberg. The road is covered with spray from the lake. The lake is up and the wind is whipping. And praise God, it's above freezing. Otherwise, somebody else would have been preaching this morning. Praise the Lord. I wanna talk this morning about knowing God. The picture on the front of the bulletin says, Knowing God or knowing about God. As you, you well know, go to Bible Gateway or one of those uh, sites that allows you to, to search scriptures and you put in know and God to find them in the same verse. Almost every verse that comes up of the 300 verses that do, at least in the New King James, came up with 300 verses where know and God are in the same verse. Almost every one of them talks about so people should know that there is a God, should know that God exists, should know that God is the God of Israel, should know that God delivers. Very few of them talking about actually getting to know God himself. Most of them are knowing about God, but it's uh, whether through... Um, Psalms and Chronicles, or uh, Kings and Chronicles, or whether it's uh, even in Genesis, whether it's in uh, any of the minor prophets, it's so that others may know that the God of Israel is God. Even when, when uh, in Exodus, the signs and the, 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 the plagues and the problems that came upon Egypt as God was saying, Let my people go, it's so that they will know that the God of Israel is God. And we can know about God, but we're called to know God ourselves. Not just know there is a God, but called to know who he is. In Psalm 100, it's just five verses, so we'll do the whole Psalm. And if you wanna follow in the church, in the pew Bible, it's page 408 For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And as I was looking at this verse, I came up and said, oh, that's why we're going to start the service with, come worship the Lord. A song by Michael Tard. Part of it uh, uh, comes from this psalm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Know that the Lord, he is God. He has made us and not we ourselves know who God is. We might know Him. We might draw close to Him. We might understand Him. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall, Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. They had communion and fellowship one with another. But after they ate the forbidden fruit, the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... And they recognized that they were naked and they hid themselves from God. God knew exactly where they were. God knows everything. God knows exactly where they are. But his response says, Adam, where are you? What happened that made you pull back? What happened that made you pull away? And that sin that entered in the earth where we pulled away and are separate from God. But God, because of Jesus, through Jesus, made the way that we could be reconciled to come to know Him, to come boldly into His presence, to enter His courts with thanksgiving and into His gates with praise, to draw near to the God who loves us, who made the way of reconciliation. Do we know God, or do we just know about God? We've talked uh, several times in the last few weeks about uh, Job chapter 42. Where Job says, before I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Now I know you. And I recognize my own shortcomings. I abhor myself. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. But Job says, before I just knew about you. Now I know you. God wants us to know him. We come before a holy God uh, clad, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus because of what he's done on our behalf. We don't come before a holy God in my righteousness or your righteousness, which scripture says is as filthy rags. Instead, we come before him forgiven, made whole, new creations, and he draws us close, draws us into his presence. Praise God. In Ecclesiastes 3, page 450 okay. Ecclesiastes 3 beginning with verse 9 says what profit has the worker from that in which he labors I have seen the god-given task to which the sons of men are occupied are to be occupied He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. I know that nothing is better for them than that that to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift from God. And I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever, and nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been that which is has already been and that which is to be has already been. And God requires an account of the past. And then you look at that and it's like what in the world is that saying? What it's saying is God knows where we come from, he knows what's going on, he knows what will be. Because it's already been. It's it's a completed thing. God looks from outside of time. But God works and provides for us and works in us. As we get to know God, as we draw close to God, we recognize God's hand at work in so many different things in our life. That the things we have are a blessing of God in our lives. Uh, we've talked in the past about uh, about Job. We've talked about a lot of things. But we've talked about Job and how in chapter 1, He's the most righteous man in the east, but by chapter 42, he's like, wait a minute, I have to repent before God. All the things that Job went through, and we, we read the story, and it's, and it's horrific to think of going through that. I certainly wouldn't want to go through anything like that. But I've been through a lot of things in my life that I wouldn't want anyone else to have to go through anyway, either. Yet I know that God hasn't wasted anything. Everything that he's allowed me to go through, every every step, every failure, every shortcoming, every mistake, every sin, God has still used it to teach me, used it to guide me. When I was in jail in Israel, and there was no one to turn to but God, I learned that God was all I needed. I shudder to think what other actions it would have taken for, had, had I not got the lesson that time. What will God do in our lives? God wants us to know Him. Not just know about Him, but to know Him and to come in relationship, to come in fellowship with Him. He calls us into relationship. He made us for relationship. In Hosea 6, beginning with verse 4, it's page 610. Now Hosea 6, starts with verse 1. It says, Come, let us return to the Lord. For he is torn and he will heal us. He is smitten and he will bind us up. After two days he will, will revive us. And the third day he will raise us up. And we will know if we, go on, if we follow on to serve the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. Talking about getting to know who God is. But beginning with verse 4. It says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like the morning cloud. And like the early dew, it goes away. We can see Scripture where God talking about Israel, but we do see the same thing in our own lives. We're faithful to God. We get up, this is wonderful. Yes, we're going to serve the Lord. And then life gets in the way. Things come up that distract us. Things come up that pull us away from the things of God. Does it happen in your life or is it just me? Your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us. Lord, draw us close to you. Carries on, continues on, verse 5. Therefore I have hewn them with my prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and your judgments are like light that goes forth. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they transgressed the covenant. For there they dealt treacherously with me. Treacherously with me. And where it says men, that's like Adam, they broke the covenant. Just as Adam broke the covenant in the garden. These people of of, uh, the children of Israel and ourselves, we've broken the covenant with God. But he desires mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. God wants us to know him more than he wants sacrifice. He wants us to know him more than anything that we can possibly give him. Coming to know God, to draw close to him. Because when we come in the presence of the holy God, we cannot walk away unchanged. Spending time in the presence of God changes us. It, it makes us more and more and more like Jesus. As we come to know more and more of who God is and come to understand that everything we have is a gift from Him. Everything we have, even the very breath that we breathe, is a gift from God. As we draw close to God, as we come to know Him, drawing close to Him, it changes our life. Praise God, I'm not the person that I used to be. I'm not the angry person that I was. I'm not the bitter person. I'm not the sarcastic and vicious person that I was. Because of who God is. Because as I drew close to him, as I began seeking his face, he began changing me. People today tell me I'm so nice. like, let me tell you, it's only Jesus. The only good thing in me is the Lord. But praise God, He is changing me continually, day day by day. Make me more and more and more like Him. Because He does desire mercy and not sacrifice. He does desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. As I get to know Him, it's much more important to God than anything I can bring to Him. Because I don't have anything that God didn't give me in the first place. He's... (laughs) He's the one that gives me the ability to speak. He's the one that gives me the ability to do anything. I've said before, I should be crippled. I should be dead. Barring dead, I should be crippled. Um, I was hit with a forklift when I was 17. I was caught between two pallets. Chipped the bone, cut back through the leg, the leg muscle. The doctor said, you will never walk normally again. And it'll be months before you can hobble. And within a month, I was walking around town carrying my crutches. Not because of me, but because I serve a God who has a plan. I was hit in the ankle, same ankle, same leg. I was hit in the ankle by a hubcap that came off a car back in the days of 70 mile an hour speed limit, before the 55, before the whatever the state has to do. We were broke down on the side of the road and I was standing out by the road and a hubcap came off a car and came and hit me right square in the ankle. Went flying way off into the sugar cane field. I was hit in that same ankle by a full soda can thrown from a speeding car. I should be crippled. But I'm here. I jumped from the bottom of a 100-foot bridge, diving into the water, doing a swan dive, tucked too quick, landed flat on my back, and could not move and had to be pulled out of the water. Yet here I am. All of these things happened in my life, and God has brought me through it. Why? I don't know. One day I will know even as also I am known. I look at Johnny Erickson Tada. At 17 years old she went swimming she dove in hit a rock broke her neck she's been in a wheelchair from the time she was 17 she's 70 now or close to it she's been in a wheelchair all this time she paints with a tooth with a paintbrush in her mouth and and she writes dictates and writes books and and talks about the goodness of God and has ministry and she said I was doing my own thing, and I don't. I cried out, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? But through the years, I see that God has used it to impact the lives of other people. Why does God work some way in one person's life and another way in someone else's life? I don't know. But as I get to know God, I know he is faithful no matter what our circumstances are. Jonah 4, beginning with verse, or actually just verse 2. Jonah 4, verse 2, page 624 in the Pew Bible. It says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Jonah was mad that God did not destroy Nineveh because Nineveh was a wicked place. The the, the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, had been doing a lot of damage to Israel. They had been coming and attacking and brutalizing them. And God said, go to Nineveh and prophesy against that city. And and he didn't want to go. And he says right here, I didn't want to go because I knew that you are merciful you are gracious you are slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness you relent from doing harm God I didn't want to go prophesy because I didn't want to see you forgive them I just wanted you to destroy them but he says I know you Jonah knew what was going to happen or at least he knew enough to to suspect what was going to happen, and he didn't want to go because he did not want to give a chance for the merciful God that he knew to show mercy on these other people. I have to look in a mirror, Lord. Is that me? Are there people I hold in my life? Are there people I hold in in in, in you know? my sphere of influence or, or even see around me that I don't want you to be merciful on? Is that why I'm not as vocal talking about the goodness of God? Is that why? Is that a, the, my justification for not sharing more of who God is? But we are called to know Him and to draw close to Him. And in doing that, we have to lay down ourselves. We can't do things our own way. I'm not the person that I used to be, praise God. But yet still, sometimes like, I see some of the things going on in the world, and I can feel anger just bubbling up in me. Rather than compassion, oh Lord, please have mercy on them. Please change their heart, Lord, they're going to hell by their actions and by their by what they're doing father they are they are tearing down your your commandments they are making a mockery they are persecuting your people lord turn their hearts but so often that's not the cry of my heart i don't say a lot but sometimes like we could just get them out of the way Lord if you can just get, get rid of them, Lord forgive me. We are called to know God, not to know about God. We are called to introduce people to God, not just let them know that God exists. I want to know God and I need to want to let other people know God. John 17 beginning with verse 1, page 728. As Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, so he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had with you before the world was. We read back in Hosea that God desires mercy and not sacrifice, that the knowledge of God and more than the burnt offerings. Jesus said here, This is eternal life, that they may know you. God has granted eternal life. It's that we may know him, may know God, may draw close to him. Have that fellowship, that relationship that Adam threw away in the garden. Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead to reconcile us to the Father. He became the propitiation, the perfect sacrifice for our sin that we can come before God holy, blameless, without spot or wrinkle, completely perfect, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that we might get to know him, that we might draw close. Final passage, Romans 1, beginning with verse 18. It's on page 757. says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what be, might be made, what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. Stop right there for just a second. In the creation all around us, God has shown us who he is. Um, Saw so a picture just this morning. Um, it was a sand, it was a, a stone art on, a, on, a, on, a, on a, a sandy beach. And it was, you know, different stones to make the picture. And it was a picture of a tiger. And the question was, so do you think this slowly evolved over a whole period of time? Or was there a, a mind that created it? We look in the world around us and there are people that want to say this stuff just happened. God created us and He has displayed it. He has shown Himself. He has shown that there is a God, a a mind that created all of these things. The very... You know, you look into the heavens and you, you see the stars. You take a look at the more and more and more that we know of this, of this earth and, and this, this universe that we're in, the more and more that we, we understand and find out about it, all points to the fact that it couldn't have just happened. There is no way. Um, take, for instance, the eye. So most creatures... Have an eye, not all, but most do. What does it take to evolve an eye? How could something like that possibly evolve and just happen to be perfect for this species, but this species is here, it is different needs, has different needs, therefore that eye is going to... It can't happen. But we see these things going on in the world around us. God has displayed who he is with the, the call to get to know him. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and godhood, so they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but become futile in their thoughts, and foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You're familiar with the passage. God has displayed that he exists. God has put um, uh, signposts and directions all around us and is a call to get to know him. We don't want to just know that there is a God out there somewhere. He doesn't want that. When, when going through Scripture, I said when I, at the very start that you do the, uh, a search of know and God. And in the New King James, it comes up with 300 verses. And most of them are so that the outside people would know that there is a God. But it's the call for them to get to know who that God is. The things we see in the world around us that display that there is a God is a call to get to know who that God is. We might know who God is because that's what God desires. God made us for relationship, made us for fellowship, made us to come in in communion with him. And when we don't do that, when we when Not just we, but the people around, refuse to do that. It talks about it here in Romans. That the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We know it, but it doesn't fit our narrative. We know it, but if I recognize that there is a God, that means he's God and I'm not. That means his ways are right and my ways are not. That means I need to know what it is that he wants because he created me in my mother's womb. I have to know who this God is. Oh, it's much more convenient to just ignore him. But one day there's a penalty for that. If we get to know God, as we get to know God, as we draw close to him, the things that are important to God are important; should be important to us. God loved this whole world so much he sent Jesus to make the way of reconciliation. Not just so the few of us or or however many happen to be gathered in however many church buildings around the world can say that we're in relationship with God. The scripture doesn't say that God loved these 405 billion however many people so much. It says he loved the whole world so much. And we're called to make Jesus known. We're called to make the way of salvation known. We're called to point the way to a true and living God. And we cannot do that if we don't know Him. We cannot do that if we don't allow Him to change us. We cannot do that if we don't come in communion so that the things that are important to Him become important to us. To allow Him to change our mind, allow Him to change our heart, allow Him to change our lives. And it's a call for each and every one of us to draw closer, wherever we are. However far along our journey we have come, and praise God, I have been serving the Lord for 30 years since I ran from Him. But I'm not yet there. My face doesn't yet shine so much I have to put on a veil. I still have anger at at people just doing crazy things, doing wicked things. But the anger isn't a grief that they're sinning against God. It's a personal, I, I would really like to stop that. But if I know God, as I draw close to God, as I come to know God, and it's a continual process, then I have to see them through God's eyes as lost, as hurting as needing a Savior. Jesus, looking over Jerusalem, He wept, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew they were going to... uh, Arrest him and, and, and whip him and scourge him and mock him and put the crown of thorns on his head and beat him and, and take his clothes and, and uh, split them between the guards and cast lots for his garment and crucify him. He knew all of that was going to happen. But when he looked at the people, when he looked over Jerusalem, he wept because they were like sheep that needed a, a shepherd. Because they were lost and needed a way of salvation. And Jesus says, said back in, in, uh, back in John 17, that this is eternal life, that we may know the one true God and His Son. That is salvation, to know Him. Hosea says that was what God desires, that we know him. So let's get to know God. Make it your goal, make it your priority. Make it the push not to just know about him, but to know him deeper. That comes from spending time with him. That comes from spending time in his word. That comes from being willing to say, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Lord, there's still this area in my life that I I can't get any control over. There's still this anger that pops up. Lord, change my heart. Change my life. Make me more like Jesus. Draw me by your Spirit into your presence. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to know you not just to know about you by the hearing of the ear, but that our eyes actually see you. And that just like Job, we repent in sackcloth and ashes. Just like Isaiah, we say, Woe is me, for I am undone. For my eyes have seen the Holy One. Lord, that we might come to know you, not just know about you, not just to know there is a God, but to know you deeply, intimately, drawing close to you, seeking your face, drawing near. You are wondrous in all of your ways, Lord. You desire that truth in the inward parts. You desire that relationship. You desire that fellowship. You made Adam in the garden for fellowship, for communion, for relationship. And Lord, you desire that for each and every one of us. Help us, Father, that we draw close to you. That we see people the way you see them. That we see through your eyes. That we be your hands and feet extended. That we glorify you with our lives. And that others may see our good work and glorify you as well. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information... As a GLBCDT.org.